Well, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. We're looking forward to sharing with you from God's Word. Uh, we'll be in uh, continuing our series in Colossians. But first, I wonder, actually, I'm sh- maybe, maybe nobody has, but um, do you, did you ever watch I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? I'm, no, lots of heads. No, no, of course not. No, you didn't. No. Um, well, if you did, you will know that they, they did all kinds of trials. And um, well, one of those trials, they were usually insect trials, weren't they? I mean, I used to think, well, it should be called, I'm an insect, get me out of here. It's the insects that kind of really suffered. But anyway, this was a non-insect trial. And the celebrities would be in front of this huge inflatable kind of ramp, kind of... Uh, um, roadway, as it were, kind of big, and it was, it was soaking wet, and they had some stars kind of dotted around on this ramp, and their job was to make their way up the ramp and collect the stars. I forget kind of quite why or what the, uh, what the bonus was. Oh, it was probably something to eat, wasn't it? That's how it usually worked. So they were, they were going to go up this slide, this kind of plastic slipway, to try and collect these stars, which would have been hard enough on its own. But then, if you might remember, they had these water cannons arrayed against them. They, they had these kind of people, which must have been the, the best job on the program, to aim these water cannons, and they shot a strong jet of water towards these celebrities as they tried to make their way up this slippery ramp. And as I think about it, there were fans as well, weren't there? There were these huge fans that would blast them back, and there were pools of water, and there was foam everywhere, and there was these huge balls that would get kind of thrown towards them. And so there they are, trying to make their way up this ramp. They would start at the beginning, of course, with the best of intentions. You could, they were on this platform, and they were dry, and they were kind of cheering each other on. They we can do this. We're going to do this. They were hungry. They wanted the food. But almost as soon as they set out on this ramp, they fell flat on their faces, and it became increasingly obvious that they couldn't stand up, and they were crawling their way forward, and then a water jet would knock them back. It was difficult. It was uh, actually it reminded me of what's that other program? Um, Wipeout. It's a bit, bit longer ago. Another guilty pleasure of mine. I'm so sorry. I'm not paying a great picture. But uh, uh, hey, it's coming really useful. Uh, this, is why I, this is why I watched it. I could share it with, with you. Do you know why? It was just, you just got hit from here. They were trying to go over this obstacle course. Everything was arrayed against them. I think it was Richard Hammond, wasn't it, from Top Gear. It's fun to watch because no one really gets hurt, usually. And not much is really at stake. But when we start following Jesus, we begin a far more serious trial, a journey that is at every step far more strongly contested and where there is far more at stake than just a few foam stars and a kangaroo for dinner or whatever it was. I wonder, in fact, across this room, it all looks neat and tidy and everyone looks reasonably dry. But I wonder if we could see the reality of the different challenges and trials that are battering different ones this morning. Where you've fallen down, you've tried to press forward and something's hit you in your following of Jesus. You set out with good intentions and yet you've been blown off course. Or you're in the wind, tempted to turn back. You've slipped over, you're getting up again. Maybe even getting here this morning was a challenge for you. Winds of temptation blasting us back, false ideas and beliefs disorientating us as these things are fed to us and as we hear them, water jets of disappointment and doubt and defeat barraging us 
As we seek to follow Jesus, maybe you set out with the best of intentions, with a plan. This, it looked reasonably straightforward, and it hasn't kind of worked out quite as easy as you thought that it would. Sometimes it's a sudden impact, isn't it? It kind of comes out of nowhere, left field. And sometimes it's kind of a slow a grind of just pressing forward day after day the challenges of life, the challenge of following Jesus and living for him in everyday life. It can be hard. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, I mean, I'm painting a, a, a bit of a, a gloomy picture. There are triumphs, aren't there? And those of us that have followed Jesus for any length of time will, will be able to think of wonderful triumphs and, and things that we have seen the Lord done, do and he, the ways that his kingdom has come in in a kind of wonderful of glorious ways. And yet the reality also is that we have set out on a journey which is, as every step, strongly contested. And Paul writes to the church in this letter, in this Colossians, as we're uh, going through it, and he's aware, in fact, this is the new church, isn't it, I think? They're just kind of starting out. He's hearing they're doing well, and he's writing to them to, to warn them, to prepare them, to encourage them as the trials and difficulties come, to stand firm, to keep going. And through his writing to them, God is superintending these words for us and for you, this morning, for me and all the challenges that we face in following Jesus. Maybe you're, you're not following Jesus, but you're thinking about it. You're trying to, is this, is this what I want to do with my life? Do I want to follow Jesus? Well, I want to tell you, that in itself is a battle. And just as you get up and you start, you say, you'll be knocked back. And it, it, there's a cost to following Jesus that you'll need to reckon. It's not straightforward. It's not always plain sailing. In fact, Paul's in prison, isn't he, as he writes this. Paul has been following Jesus. He, he was commissioned by Jesus. Amazing Damascus Road experience. That's kind of a, a highlight. Wonderful for him to see the risen Jesus in that way and be commissioned so specifically and clearly. And yet he's ended up in prison. He's writing this, we think, from a prison cell to the church to prepare them for the wind and water cannons that await to prepare them to press on when it gets hard and to, to encourage them and to spell out for them in many ways that we shall see this morning how to do that, how that works, where this encouragement is going to come from. This is not academic to Paul. This is not theory. And to many of us, this is not theory. This is much needed encouragement from God for us in our following of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've just started following Jesus. Perhaps you're here Really, you've been following Jesus for a while, but you've moved to a new place, maybe to a job, maybe to start a life at university, and you're starting a new life, in a sense, following Jesus. You don't know quite what it looks like yet. Well, there's encouragement for you here for the journey that lies ahead. Maybe you've been following Jesus for some time, but you're facing opposition right now. Suddenly, it's got really hard. Well, there's encouragement for you this morning. Or maybe it is plain sailing for you right now. And praise God that there are times when that happens. But maybe it won't always be like that. And I want to encourage you. And Paul wants to encourage us. And the Lord Jesus wants to encourage you so that you'll have the strength and you'll be able to orientate yourselves when things get tricky and challenging and difficult to press on the goal, the prize that we've been called to that is ours in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to read... Um, we're in uh, chapter 2 now. I'll just read some of this and then we'll focus particularly in a couple of verses and a particular phrase that I want us to look at together. This is Colossians chapter 2. 
I'm reading kind of mainly from the NIV with some tweaks. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, he starts out. He knows what they're going through. He knows it's not plain sailing. He is contending for them. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. You're not alone. I'm going to help you in this. And for those in the Odyssea, and for all who have not met me personally, and uh, hey, I, I, mean, I guess, I'm sure you didn't kind of quite have that in mind, but um, there are other churches around at the time, but hey, there's some encouragement for us here too uh, in God's word. My goal is that uh, they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding or plausible arguments. as the water cannons that come along as we set to follow Jesus, these These cannons are arrayed against us, fine-sounding arguments. They sound plausible for a moment on the surface. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him. The ESV has walk in him. Continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened or established in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends upon human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Again, these, those wind of of uh, deceitful teaching, this kind of, uh, th- this ideas about the things are like this when they're not like this, to kind of come to undermine the truth about who Jesus is. There's so much here. Um, it's about, we're going to focus in on this phrase, walk in him. That's what, it's so much here, I always like to orientate myself with a particular phrase and a particular verse, lest I kind of get a bit overwhelmed and, uh, you know, let's you need to focus a little bit, but we'll We'll take a view of this whole passage as we do. Walk in him. It's, gonna, it's very practical. It's rooted in something deeply spiritual, but it's very practical. And as this book goes on, it'll get increasingly practical. There'll be, there'll be ways that Paul is going to set out, this is how you walk in him. This is what it looks like. This is what you do. We're meant to live to shine out the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. It's meant to be visible in the way that we live. Not always in the, in the way that people think is a glorious, kind of wonderful um, kind of life. It, sometimes it's counterintuitive. But it's meant to be visible in our lives as we follow Jesus. We're here to glorify him. Our faith is not a private matter. It's to be publicly displayed and declared and seen we're, we're living picture of the grace of God. And Paul wants to encourage them. Just say, I want me to walk in him. I want the, the practical day-to-day aspects of your life to, be, to, be, um, to express the goodness of God in Christ. And now let's just think just briefly about this word in him. Because it's, it's, I guess, overwhelming little phrase. To walk in him is to live our lives in the light of who Jesus is. As we, I was just uh, looking at this this morning, actually, and pondering, because when I was, I, was, I was ill a couple of weeks ago, wasn't I? And I was going to preach upon um, 
Colossians 1, uh, chapter, uh, verses 15 to, to 20. And I thought, oh, it's a shame to have missed that. And maybe you kind of read it out in my absence, I don't know. But I just thought, shall I read it out? Shan't I read it out? It's so important. And then I think it was Roger kind of emailed me this morning. He said, oh, I think we should, I think we should read it out um, as, as we kind of go through this series. I thought, oh, okay, I'll read it out. And I want to, as I do, I want you to think about living your life in Christ, in Jesus, and what that means, and why you might want to do that. And so um, let's just assume that this, this, I know, crazy illustration, let's see. But let's just assume that, that this represents the sphere of living my life in light of who Jesus is. I had a little cross somewhere, there it is. I thought, I'd, do you know, as I was sitting down, I thought oh, this is probably better off being a picnic basket. But um, we're going to have a cross. It just symbolizes, this is where the treasure is. This is where the goodness is. This is life in, in Christ, living here. And I'm going to read you who Jesus is. And I hope you can begin to see why you might want to stand here and not over here, outside of Christ. My, why you might not want to live outside of Christ, but inside of Christ. See if you can join the dots as I read this passage. He is the, this is talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him, in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you want to stand here? Do you want to live your life here? All things were from Jesus. They were created through Jesus. They were created for Jesus. They are held together and sustained by Jesus. What on earth do you think is out here? What is left out here? If this is where life and love and hope and purpose and meaning and strength and glory are and beauty are, what is out here? If everything was for him and through him and he sustains all things, what is outside of him? It's nothing. It's hopelessness, meaninglessness, death, despair. This is what is outside of a life in Christ. I hope you can begin to see how Paul is so, uh, so, so motivated to encourage them to walk in him, to live in him. There's nothing outside of that. And yet the challenge that he he knew that they were going to face, that he faced, that, that we face, is that it doesn't always look like that. It looks very different when we're standing here. Sometimes it can seem like that life is anywhere but here and that life is out here. And there's a huge... Well, let me tell you about broccoli. Um, I don't know, there's an experiment done once. It's a, it's a bit of a psychological literature on broccoli, but this, is, this was an experiment done, apparently, that they went into a school... And I don't know if you, you talk to kind of children in school. They're not fans of broccoli. There's no one wearing a broccoli T-shirt. At least there wasn't in my day. And they kind of turn their nose up at broccoli at, at, the, at, the, uh, at lunchtime and stuff, and they kind of put it to one side. I used to kind of hide things under my fork. I don't suppose anyone was uh, particularly taken in by that. But anyway, I don't like broccoli, kind of the bitter, bobbly, vegetable type thing. 
Well, they did this experiment. They got some bigger kids into the school, some cool kids who were good at sport and uh, who, I, can, I, I don't know, they had their latest trainers or whatever it might be. And they came into school and they started hanging out and uh, everyone began to look up to them. And then they had dinner together. And the cool kids, who were a plant, said, oh, I really like broccoli. Do you like broccoli? And of course, one by one, oh, yeah, I really like broccoli. And the cool kids began tucking into their broccoli like there was no tomorrow. And these other kids kind of looking up to them and go, oh, yeah, I like broccoli too. And they were kind of chewing on it and swallowing on it. See how easy it is to change the way people behave and think. That's just a few kids coming into a, into a school with some, some nighter king trainers. Just imagine what it's, how it's possible to influence a culture, a nation, a world, if you have billions of dollars, if you have the best minds available, if, if you have the coolest looking people who were most popular with thousands and thousands of followers. Just imagine what you could get people to believe and do if that was the case. And that is exactly the case. These are the water cannons arrayed against us. This is the fan arrayed against your walk in Christ. Millions and billions of pounds spent to try and deceive you, to undermine your confidence in the truth of, the, of who the Lord Jesus is. If it can be done with broccoli, you better believe that it's in principle possible for those that follow Jesus. But of course, there's some reasons why it's not. And uh, some of the reasons we're going to be encouraged with today, because it's going to strengthen you. God's Word is going to strengthen you such that your feet wouldn't slip. It's going to strengthen you such that you would persevere. It's going to strengthen you such that you won't be deceived by these fine-sounding, plausible arguments that on the surface seem very persuasive. They often feel very persuasive. They speak to our fallen minds. They don't speak to the real issue, of course, which is our, our hearts. So we're going to look at just a few words here that I just kind of Paul associates with walking in him. And uh, I hope each one of those is going to strengthen you. And as we look at them, you're going to feel the strengthening of God on you and your feet more sure as you follow Jesus and your confidence increase. Let's get the first one. Every single one of these is just it's doing me good as I look at them. I trust it will do you good as we talk about them together What's the first word that we look at here in verses? Let's look at verses 6 and 7. It says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Here's the first word that really helps me, and I'm sure it helps you as we set out to follow Jesus. It's this word, received. It's received. It all starts by receiving from the Lord. In fact, it starts by receiving the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says elsewhere, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is how we persist, we, we persevere. This is how we're not thrown off course. It's because we have received from God. It's not fundamentally grounded in our own ability and what we do. It's that we've received something. We've received the Lord Jesus. This gives me confidence to keep going. Of course, famously, uh, John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It all starts with what God has given and it starts with us receiving. And Paul says, you started by receiving. This is the foundation of your walking in Christ. God gave his son to us willingly, freely, as a gift that we might walk 
in him. This gift of Christ, we think of these kind of Christ, Jesus the Lord, Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, come to save us from our sin, to take our sin upon himself, anointed by God for this task, to be our sacrifice. We receive him as the Christ, to save us, as I think as Rose said to Jack in Titanic, to save us in every way it is possible to be saved. This is how our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, has saved us. We receive it. We don't earn it. We don't do something. We receive that. And Jesus, we receive Jesus, the man Jesus, God incarnate, the flesh and blood man who came to live and die and rise again in our place so that that might be ours, that might be a gift of God to us, his death counting for us, his life credited to us, and his resurrection coming to us as well. First of all, kind of a spiritual new birth of a new creation. But, but one day, as the whole of creation is renewed, so too our bodies will be raised. We receive this gift of Jesus. We receive this gift of the Lord. See, we were, we were, we were just wandering around here, kind of making stuff up. And now we've received the gift of Jesus, the Lord, to come back into this context. We were saved to come back into this context, to live in him. And now we have a, a Lord to follow, the Lord to follow, that gives life meaning and purpose. It's a gift. It's not enforced upon us. No one kind of forced the Colossians to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. You, we do it when we see what, what a Lord he is. We see that everything was made through him and for him, and he sustains all things, and he's the head of the church, we, and, and he died for us, and so we willingly bow the knee and receive him into our hearts. We take hold of him. That's what this word means. Take hold into our hearts, Jesus as Lord, that he would lead us. And in Jesus, we have all we need to live in him. And let's move on to our second word now. It's another wonderful word, rooted. We're rooted in him. You think of a, a tree that puts down roots into the soil, deep into the soil, drawing up the goodness into the trunk, and then it kind of flourishes, and you have all these leaves that kind of come in summer. Well, th this is how we walk in Christ Jesus the Lord. We put down roots into him such that our strength comes from him. We, we live, when we live in him, we, our strength to live, to get up, to go again, to, to see the truth, to believe the truth, to trust in Jesus, it's actually from him. So the question is not, can I do this? Or it's not, oh, I can't do this. It's, can I do this in Christ who strengthens me? This is the question to ask. And the answer is, yes, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In, in Christ, in him, we put down roots into him and our strength to live in him comes from him. So be encouraged. If you're at the end of your, uh, your resources, put your roots down into him and we'll look a bit about what that means in just a moment. But just as roots go down, you know, I, my, I think I'm just going to move this over here. I feel a bit strange kind of preaching outside of my little uh, illustration. So there we go. I'm kind of in it uh, next to the, little, uh, the treasure there. Just as roots go down, buildings go up. Just as roots go down, buildings go up. That's why roots go down, so that the tree goes up. And here's this next word that we look at that encourages us living in Christ. We're built up in him. It often doesn't feel like that. It feels like we're kind of sometimes it's life is hard and difficult and Paul's in prison. It's looking all kind of glorious. And Paul is looking weak. And often people didn't understand it because they looked at Paul and he looked weak. But he says, I'm being built up in Christ in a... An edifice that will last. 
There's silver and gold that is being built into my life that will be there for eternity. A lot of the stuff that you see that's going up quickly, the weeds, they will be swept away. As we follow Jesus, as we live our lives in him, we are being built up. So again, let me encourage you. Let God encourage you. Your life may feel weak. It may look like as you follow Jesus that you're getting weaker and weaker. It's not very, glorif- not very glorious. You are being built up in him as you follow the Lord Jesus and as you live your life in him. And it will last. And one day it will be revealed. The real stuff, the eternal stuff, the lasting stuff will be revealed. You're being built up in him. In fact, we're being built up in a particular way that often can only be achieved through weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness, and so it's to be expected. This is actually how it works, how the lasting eternal building works that will one day be revealed in its true glory. We haven't, who, no idea, we can't imagine what we will once, what will one day be revealed to be as we are transformed into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. So that's the next word, built up. Now let's move on. We are being strengthened in the faith. As we walk in him, faith is the key deal, isn't it? Each one of these words is so helpful. Actually, it's the faith, talking about a body of teaching. But the key word is that it's to be trusted. This is how we walk in him, not trusting in ourselves and our own strength, but trusting what God has said. And so as we wobble and as we're not sure if he can take the next step or as we think that's going to be too costly or as we begin to be persuaded by this plausible-sounding argument that Jesus wasn't who he said he was, what has God said? This is the key thing. There are plenty of pointers outside here, by the way, back here. It's not as if they're not there. If you think about life and look, about, look at how life works and, and what instinctively we know about life, there are plenty of pointers. And uh, I meant to kind of plug this again. I brought a couple more copies of my book, The God Puzzle. And the idea here is if you're, if you're thinking, if you're out here and you're thinking, is there a God? I don't know. You're hearing all these plausible arguments. There isn't a God. I just want to highlight one or two things that, that actually might make you think again. That actually, maybe there is a God. Maybe this Jesus does actually exist. Maybe he is who he said he was. But these are many, I just touch upon some natural things about here that we can all see and that we can all share. But really, if you're a follower of Jesus, the ultimate authority for you is God's word. And so as we're kind of thinking through these things and getting thrown a bit by these wise and clever sounding arguments and people with good trainers and degrees and uh, thousands of followers, as they say things that kind of rattle us a little bit, the question is, what has God said? And will I trust it? Can I trust God? There's nothing underneath that. That is the foundation. It's God's word. Will we trust it? It is the light that illuminates everything else. There's no spotlight that can be shone upon God's word. It is the light as it reveals God to us, and particularly in the person of Jesus So we're strengthened in the faith as we look at God's word. And so my encouragement to you is to read God's word, is to hear God's word, is to meditate on God's word, is to get it into your heart. In fact, when you you least feel you need God's word, when when it's becoming, uh, looking less and less like a good option to open God's word, that's exactly when to open it. It's not an intellectual deal fundamentally that'll take place as you read it. It's not a psychological deal. It's a spiritual deal. As you put down roots into him, into Christ Jesus, and the strength His strength comes into you through faith in his word, this word which uh, illuminates who he is and uh, puts a lie to all these other plausible-sounding arguments. Just a couple more words to look at. Just as you were taught, 
Faith comes from hearing God's word, which of course we all have access to in the Bible. And praise God, now we can all open our Bibles. And there's a sense in which God teaches us through this. And the Holy Spirit teaches us as we open our Bibles. And you can do that. Or you can kind of turn on your phone. It's available to us. And yet that doesn't negate the need for those that God gives us to, to teach us, to help us understand God makes the body interdependent in that way. He gives different ones, different gifts and abilities that we might rely on each other. No one has it all. And so God gives to the church those that are gifted in teaching, those that are anointed to teach, to help the church understand God's word and to walk in it and to put it into practice. And of course, then we can help one another in our life groups and other settings, kind of put it into practice and in all the variety of our different circumstances and situations. And of course, there are plenty of books as well, and wonderful videos and study aids and courses and uh, so on, wonderful resources that we have to help us understand God's Word. But I just felt to say, don't underestimate the power and importance of teaching that is delivered in the humble local church setting as we sit on um, badminton court lines as uh, someone you know like me who gets easily lost and uh, is, you know all my faults and, and failings. Don't underestimate the power of the Word of God being taught in person, in the gathered church, in, in a particular local church. Helpful as though all these other things are. It's not a substitute for being taught by uh, someone with a huge YouTube following. It's not a substitute for, uh, a, 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 a substitute is not in the latest book. It's uh, certainly not in being taught by someone else's pastor, helpful as these things are. This, it's, it doesn't seem like it, does it? But God uses this, what is spoken, what is taught in weakness, to, to bring the power of Christ into you. What looks weak, in fact, isn't weak at all. So I encourage you to, to be here, to keep joining us as we gather, to open our ears as the Word of God is spoken to us by those that we know that God has put in place to care for us and to love us, who kind of knows, know us a little and, uh, and love us and have laid their lives on the line for us. God uses that, weak though it appears, to bring strength into our lives so that we can continue to walk in Him. I want to finish on this, and uh, I, could have, I want to emphasize all of these points, but perhaps because this is the last one, I can emphasize it just a little bit more, because this, in a way, is the secret source of supernatural sustaining for those who walk in Christ Jesus the Lord. In fact, it's not really possible to, to walk in Christ without this. It, just as it's not possible to walk without moving your legs, it's not possible, really, as far as I can see, to walk in him without this manifesting wonderfully in your life in some way or other. What is it? It's overflowing with thankfulness. It's the breathing of a living Christian, breathing in, breathing out, overflowing with thankfulness. If there's not an overflowing with thankfulness, then, um, well, just get, get over here. Get in Christ. Understand who Christ is. Put roots down into him. Read, read God's word. Look at God's word. Look at what he's done for us. Look at, look at what he's done. And then begin to overflow with thankfulness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your son for me, for us, to die in my place. I disqualified myself. I was a rebel. I was an enemy. I spoke against you. 
And yet, when I was a sinner, you sent your son Jesus, that which was most precious to you, and he bore my sin, the one who was sinless, bore my sin upon the cross. I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. Bad enough physically, emotionally, but spiritually. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would do that for me. And now I stand before you innocent, not guilty, cleansed. I have a cleansed conscience. Thank you for this intimacy I can have with the creator of the universe. Thank you that I've been swept up once more into the heart and center of the purposes of everything in Christ. Begin to overflow. I, I'm, I'm, I don't find this easy always. Um, I find it easy to, easier to, I don't know about you, but I don't need to be encouraged to moan. I don't need to be encouraged to complain. I don't need to be encouraged to look on the, 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 the dull, dark, difficult side of life. I'm there. Can I, I'm first in the queue. But I need an encouragement to be thankful. I need encouragement to, to think, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Take myself aside, as I think David does in the Psalms. Forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Hang on a minute. Let's just think about this for a moment. Some difficulties, yes. But Jesus, the Son of God, died for me on a cross 2,000 years ago, bearing my sin, that I could come into an eternal relationship with God, that I could live in the purposes of Christ for me, that I could walk in the purposes of Christ for me. And there's a lot of other stuff as well that we can be thankful for as well. And I want to say, as you start this, it doesn't kind of, it's not always automatic. And it feels a little bit kind of mechanical at first as you begin to go, I'm Forget not all his benefits. No, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you, I'm forgiven. Thank you for your presence with me. Thank you for food on the table. Thank you for friends, for family. Thank you for each one of these things. It's a good thing. It's every good thing comes from above. Every good thing is from you. As you begin to do this, mechanically at first, there begins to be a stirring in the spirit as you put down roots. You're putting down roots into who Jesus is. You're taking the word of God and you're letting it illuminate your life and strength comes to you. And it begins to be a bit of a bubbling. As you start being thankful, as you start expressing your thankfulness in your heart, it is spoken. As we worship as well, we're expressing our thankfulness. The Spirit begins to move. And just as Jesus promised, there is an overflow. Streams of living water begin to flow. Here's the secret source of walking in Christ. It's being thankful for who Christ is for us, who the Lord is for us, what Jesus did for us. So let me encourage you in that. I don't know if the band would like just to come back. We're going to bubble over in, uh, in just a moment in praise and worship. Worship is a wonderful way to bubble over as we engage in the words. As we hear others, we can be encouraged to, and reminded to, oh yeah, yeah, well, I, this, this is true. It might just feel mechanical at first, but as we begin to lean into it, the Spirit comes and we start to put down roots and we're strengthened in our following of the Lord Jesus such that we're not distracted by temptation, that we're not fooled by fine-sounding arguments, such that we will stand on that glorious day that Jesus returns and gain the prize that is him, that is knowing him forever and ever. When praise, when God's praise flows out, Satan's lies can't get in. Have you ever tried climbing a waterfall? Maybe not, but maybe you've tried kind of, oh, no, no. Um, when I was young, in the bath, do you ever turn the taps on and just try and go into the tap? It's very hard. There's water coming out. It's the nearest I got to climbing up a waterfall. So it's the only, I'm sorry, it's the only illustration I could drag up at short notice. But there's a, a torrent coming. As this trickle of thankfulness becomes a torrent, it's very hard for the enemy's lies to, to get in. And all this, of course, we're not saying that that replaces grief. We're not saying that that numbs the pain. It, it doesn't. 
but it stops the enemy's lies coming in and the deceit coming in on the back of our pain. He would love to lie to you in your pain and disappointment. And one of the wonderful protections that he has given us against that is to overflow with thankfulness. It's a wonderful word, to abound, to overflow. Starts as a trickle, feels a bit false at times, but it's a powerful, powerful weapon. And Paul commends it to the Colossians. And I commend it to us. And God commends it, gives it to you. If you're struggling, if you're finding things difficult, if you're finding following Jesus uh, harder and harder, here's, here's, what, here's the one takeaway. Begin to thank the Lord for all his good and kind grace given to you out of love. Let's stand together. I'll pray for us. And then really, it's, it's over to us to, to bubble over, uh, to, to express our thankfulness to him. And as we do, we will put down roots. Lord Jesus, there is, what is there's a song, you know, um, something about thousand, you know, as we've been there 10,000 years, there'd be thousands more. Oh, no, it was a, it was a Matt Redmond song, wasn't it? 10,000 reasons. There's, that's just the start. That will do for the first few thousand years. Lord, there are, are so many things that we have to be grateful for. And... As we contemplate what you have done for us in Christ, the giving of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ to us, it just, it's overwhelming. And we pray by your spirit and through the truth of your word spoken to us and the encouragement of one another as we stand here together, Lord, that you would help us continue to walk in him. It's why, why everything was made, that it would display the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us take our place in that as we walk in Christ. And I pray for those that are struggling right now, those who have been hit by barrages, and maybe there's some that have come this morning who are just weighing up, do I continue following Jesus? Lord, did you come alongside and strengthen with your word? Lord, you've spoken today. Lord, may your word find good soil. Lord, we thank you that the arguments that are arrayed against the Lord Jesus are surface and have no substance. And we pray, give us eyes to see. Pray, help us now as we bubble over with thankfulness and gratitude for all that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus. And as we do, Lord, may we take great strides further on to extend your kingdom in our walk with you until that day where you return and everything is suddenly seen for what it really is. And the whole world will see and every knee will bow for the glorious Lord Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.